So I wanted to talk on this episode about the shadows around your calling. And I've been working with this one this week, really this whole month, probably this whole year, actually. But first, I want to kind of explore what is one's calling? Like, what does that mean before we dive into this? And I feel like how one would answer this is definitely going to vary depending on who you talk to. But I like to describe it as your calling is your personal message, your imprint that you have come here to share or leave with humanity. It is the uniqueness and the essence of you. And the only way to really be your calling, to share your calling, is to show up authentically and to be who you are authentically. And I really am passionate about this because I truly believe that we all have something very powerful and potent and special about us. And there's something important about it that is meant to be shared. And yet so many of us live in a way where we are playing life so small and we are convincing ourselves to live life in a way that is so small and kind of convincing ourselves that we as a person are so small or like we just don't really matter in the grand scheme of things. And so I want to explore this topic and kind of the shadows that really get in the way of our calling. So for a long time growing up, I felt like my calling was some type of purpose that I was searching for. It just felt like I was supposed to be doing something in this lifetime that was important. And I felt like I was searching for it all the time. And by nature, what I was doing is I was keeping something outside of me by doing this. I remember one time somebody saying to me, are you sure that you're not supposed to be stepping into something? And that greatly changed my life when they said it that way, stepping into something. And that's when it clicked that I needed to step into being who I am, but not the wounded, unhealthy side of me. I needed to become the healthy version of me, the authentic, healthy, higher self version of me. And by nature, I would be fulfilling my calling. And how this looks is because when you are being authentic and you're walking in your higher self, it naturally brings an alignment, experiences, and people that will go hand in hand with whatever it is that is your message and your imprint. And that's how this works. And so it's kind of amazing. So I want to dig into What are some of the shadows that contribute to clouding or calling or getting in the way of it? Well, here's some. I know I've related to literally all of these. One, there's the self-esteem. You know, what is special about me? 
who val you know <clears throat> who is validating this calling. Maybe you're caught up into looking for some type of outer validation to confirm that there is something special about you or that it matters. I know um, there has been times where I have felt almost embarrassed, like just disheartened, almost bitter, like what is the point of what I'm doing? Because there's times where I feel like I'm speaking to nobody. Like I'm impacting nobody. I just feel like I'm talking to all this air. And it is in those times that I feel my higher self saying, do it anyways. Do it anyways, because this is bigger than you. It's bigger than any type of validation. It's bigger than any type of numbers are, you know, confirmation proof of something. You know, you do this because this is who you are. This is who you are being called to be. And who I am and who I'm called to be, obviously that is going to continue to grow because who I am authentically, it's really relative to my awareness of myself. The more awareness I gain of myself, the more I understand myself authentically. And the more I understand myself authentically, the more my sense of calling changes. <clears throat> so, which is interesting because I have even felt insecure. This has impacted my self-esteem around, I've done so many different things. I have temporarily carried all different types of titles that sometimes I just wonder like how I appear to other people. <laughs> and if I spend too much time there, it will start affecting my self-esteem like quick. So I have to really center myself and remind myself that no other person is my authority. No other person can validate my calling. There's like this meme on social media about how your calling is not a conference call. It's a private conversation between you and your higher self or you and source or, you know, whatever beliefs or terminology that you use or concepts. And <clears throat> I have discovered that even though what I do is constantly evolving, all of these different experiences and titles have been really important to my journey because I have gained so many tools and experiences that I have a feeling is all going to get tied in together one day to something that I still have not yet even reached. But they all have something in common. And that's, what's, that's the beauty of this. All of these things I've done, they all share something in common. And it involves healing work, humanity, you know, connection, unconditional love, acceptance, showing up, holding space for somebody. <clears throat> so 
that to me is saying, you know, my calling is to show up as myself, do my part in bridging, <clears throat> my voice is going out this week, bridging, you know, the oneness of humanity through this healing work to, to help bring humanity into this oneness. And I do this through my own personal, unique personality. Your personality is so important. You being unique is important. There's a reason you have a personality and there's a reason it's unique. I feel like, kind of like in the church, there's, you know, a reference to about how every piece of the church is important to, to make the church work. You know, like every piece of the body is important. The body cannot function not well, um, without all of its components working together and, and it's the type of order that it's meant to work in, right? When things start going haywire, the whole body begins to go haywire. You know, we need our legs. We need our blood circulation. We need our pancreas. We need our eyes. And even though we, we can learn to live without some of these things, our quality of life really changes. So whatever personality you have, the uniqueness of you, it really is important. And sometimes I feel we get lost into the feeling like we don't actually matter, especially if there's not some type of outer validation. And we sometimes get lost in this feeling of, well, if I have gifts of healing and so does 98% of the population, then what's special about it? And that's just why I want to recircle you back to the uniqueness and essence of you and why that is such an honorable thing and why it's, it's definitely, it deserves to be honored. Another thing that I feel like gets in the way of our calling shadow is that sometimes we try to bear fruit that's not ours, you know, like, and I didn't make this one up. I stole this. <laughs> I heard this and it has stuck with me. And the guy was talking about, you know, to just do your thing and do it well. And, you know, like put your passion, have your passion in what it is you do and not compare it to somebody else's. So like if you're an apple tree, produce apples, produce beautiful, amazing, scrumptious apples and take pride in that. Like <clears throat> don't just produce some apples that are just like, you know, browning and wormholes. And it's just like, okay, here's an apple, you know, like show up and like really produce your apple instead of being an apple tree. That's like striving really hard to produce an orange and then getting really frustrated that you can't produce an orange when you weren't meant to produce an orange. Like that's not your fruit. And I felt like that was powerful as well, because when I found out about my gifts, like my natural abilities, what I'm here to do, I remember at first I felt really disappointed. A lot of people don't know that, but I felt so disappointed when I learned a lot of truths about myself. And it's crazy because I've had other people who are like, 
you know, I wish I could do what you do. Like, they love that about me. They see the value in it, but I did not like it. I actually hated it. I remember having a self-pity party that lasted for a very long time, like years, looking at how to shut it all down, um, praying and asking why can't I have something different, you know, um, just wishing that I had something else. Um, and even getting in this selfish viewpoint of, well, I'm just not going to use my abilities because I don't like them. <laughs> and it took a long time for me to, to develop maturity. I'm going to call it that. I was really immature about it. And to learn that I'm here to bear the fruit that I have been called to bear and that the maturity is to bear it with honor and integrity and to take some pride in it and to see why it's special and to see why it's needed and to not be selfish about it, to do my part in humanity. So being able to believe in yourself and believing in what you have to offer and actually being able to invest in it, take the time to actually honor it. And whatever is getting in the way from you being able to do that, have a real serious conversation with yourself and get really, really honest with yourself about why you're not able to do that and like what's getting in the way. Are you worried about what other people are going to think or say? Are you worried that for some reason it makes you a fake or a phony or that you're somehow, you know, conforming to some type of cliche or something, you know, like I'm an Aquarius moon. Not that astrology really has to mean anything specific, but natural rebellion, conformity, like that's my stuff. I don't like to conform, not mindless conformity. I'm going to say it like that. I can't handle mindless conformity. But at some point we have to, we have to look at like, is it mindless conformity though to be willing to invest in doing your part to better humanity and instead of just half-assing it, being willing to be courageous enough to show up all the way and to give it all you got, knowing because you know, you know, we lie to ourselves and act like we don't know, but we all know that down deep, we've got something about us that is unique, that is wanting to come out. There is something bigger going on inside of us. And I, I feel like this is a time in humanity where we're being called to step up. And to be willing to go there. And some people have this theory that a lot of times those who really do feel reluctant and hesitant and shy and very reserved about coming forward with their calling is maybe from very heavy persecution in other lifetimes. Like maybe you dealt with heavy persecution or even died, you know, was crucified, hung, burned. Um, something along those lines, exiled in another lifetime. And that could be some type of past life trauma 
that could also be getting in the way here. And maybe working with past life trauma and stuff like that would be a good avenue for you at this point in your life to explore. Because the thing is, like, if you look at our DNA and, and psych psychologically the approach to stuff like this, in the beginning of time, if you look at caveman days, we needed to belong to a community in order to survive. So it is in our nature to want to belong because it has been carried through our DNA that belonging was a way of survival. That's how you ensured yourself and your family's survival. Because if you got kicked out of your tribe, your clan, you know, cavemen clans decided that you were no longer allowed to be a part of their civilization, you were sent out on your own and you had nothing but like a, a spear, something you had to create with like a stick and stone. You had no one to help you hunt. You had no one to help keep watch. You had no one to help keep a fire going. You had no one to help keep um, you safe when you were too sick. Like you get sick. You can't actually get up and take care of yourself. There's no one there to help take care of you to fend off predators. And so a lot of people who got exiled died. Like they just straight up died. So it's even in our nature to want to belong. And so sometimes the shadows around stepping out with our calling is because we feel this unspoken threat of, will I still belong somewhere if I step out with the truth of who I am and, and share my calling? Because what if I do this and the people around me do not like me? and they reject me? Or what if they make fun of me? What if they laugh at me? What if they are like, but you used to make fun of this. You used to say that this wasn't real. You used to not believe in this stuff. So how, you know, you're a hypocrite. And sometimes we get scared of things like that. So I encourage you, if that's you, to, to do shadow work around this and to remind yourself that one, we are all allowed to change. We are allowed to grow. We're allowed to change our minds. We are allowed to have life-changing experiences. We are allowed to not fit in. It is okay to not fit in. It is hard to get to a place of truly being okay with not fitting in. Because let me tell you, convincing yourself intellectually that it is okay to not fit in, but then actually truly being okay with it on a very emotional level mental, psychological level is a very different thing, okay? But it is okay to not belong. When you can truly say that you belong to yourself, that is, I feel, the most powerful thing. That is the key, I feel like. That's the most important thing because as long as you can belong to yourself, you can belong anywhere, and a lot of times when we do go through some type of period of isolation or not belonging, it really is temporary because sometimes the transition of 
leaving behind our old self or layers of our unauthentic self, the transition into stepping into our new level of authenticity, sometimes we are alone because we are going through this transition. There is conflicting energy here. So we kind of get called into a place of aloneness, a place of regrounding, of being refined, of being hidden, but it's being hidden in a way so that you are being able to rebuild your foundations and being able to really get back in tune with yourself. And you will emerge then. You're going to reemerge. But now you're reemerging with some clarity of who this newer, authentic version of you is. And when you do that, now these doors open to where the people who are resonating now on this new energy level of you begin to instantly attract your way. So the loneliness or being alone does not last. It's short term. And I'll tell you right now, there is nothing more lonely anyways than being surrounded by people and feeling alone. That one sucks. To feel alone, surrounded by people, that one, I don't know which one's worse. So it's like, what do you have to lose? Another thing is I feel like sometimes we like really judge ourselves. Another thing I heard recently was talking about not judging our calling while being in the process of doing it so that we don't steal away the power of it. Like how many times have you stepped out to do your thing, share that message, to leave your imprint, to do your calling and like you're in the middle of it and you've been feeling really good about it. You're feeling powerful. You're feeling strong. You're showing up. And then out of nowhere, you suddenly start judging yourself. Or you're, you're judging people's reactions suddenly. Or you, you, know, you suddenly get caught up on something that you said. Or a thought that just came through. And because of this, you, you, it's like you get thrown off your game. For a minute, you kind of get thrown off what was happening. And when we do that, we kind of steal the power away from it. I have done that so many times. And a lot of times it, it does. I have, it will lead me to a place of once I push through that moment, I'm like, I need to disappear for a while. I don't know what that was. I need to figure out where that came from. Like, Maybe I can't do this. Maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Um, and I suddenly want to retreat. I don't know if that's you. <laughs> but if that's you, I encourage you to do shadow work around that as well. One of the things that I discovered behind that was trust issues with myself. My ability to trust myself. You know, I'm somebody who has battled lots of confusion throughout my life. And I don't ever want this to scare people like, because she's battled with confusion, how can I trust her? It's not like that. Like, if I make a commitment, I can keep my commitments. If I have feelings about something, those are my feelings. It's more confusion about my path, like what things mean. What am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to be taking a left? Am I supposed to be taking a right? Am I supposed to be speaking? Am I supposed to be quiet? Am I supposed to be staying still? Um, 
sometimes for somebody who has a tremendous ability to have a lot of faith, I can also have a lot of doubt because for somebody who can really be patient, I can become very impatient. Like I have all this faith. What's going on? I have all this faith. I'm not seeing anything happening. I have all this faith. Maybe I'm starting, you know, maybe I am wrong. And it's just like this internal battle where sometimes I feel like creators like, do you have faith though, Leslie? Because you have faith until you get really uncomfortable. And then you begin to doubt because you're getting uncomfortable. So <laughs> it's been just a long road for me as far as each year I feel like this happens so that like my ability to have faith keeps getting stretched out and stretched out and stretched out, which always makes me nervous because I'm like, if I have to go through this much training of building my faith, what's going to happen in my future? Like, that's where I get nervous. Like there must be something really big happening in my future for me to be going through this type of exercise, training, discipline, lessons. Like I must be getting prepared for some type of like serious war, battle, something because I like, why else would it feel like I'm constantly in boot camp? You know, I just, I don't get it. But um, I have had to really work on learning how to trust myself. And that was my shadow behind judging myself in the process of my calling. So if you're doing that, I encourage you to look into that and ask yourself, where does that come from? You know, and, and, and working again on not needing approval and validation from other people. And like really, really, really though, getting to this place. Like I said, it's so easy to intellectually convince yourself that, but like really getting to that place of where you can be in your calling even if you feel like you're talking to a wall. Tyler Perry, the creator of Medea, I was watching once about, you know, how he started out the Medea, you know, it was, it was plays. He started out writing plays before he started doing the movies. And for over, you know, a whole year, I think it was more than that. Um, he kept doing these plays and like, Hardly anyone ever showed up. It was always people he knew. It was always his personal friends and family that would come to watch his plays. And that was it. And he would get like so frustrated and sometimes embarrassed because he kept putting everything he had to put on these plays. Like every dime and nickel and dollar he had to put on these plays and it was gaining no momentum. Nobody was coming. And the place was over abuse, over um, a child who had been abused by a parent. It was um, learning how to forgive the abuser and resulted in being able to forgive the abuser by the end. And in order to do these plays, he was also having to travel around the world. And he would get a job. And within a couple of weeks of his new job, he would get an invitation to, or an opening to go do a play in a totally different area. So he would go to his boss and say, Hey, can I take off work? I need to travel to, you know, over here to do this play. 
And the boss would always say, no, like you just started this job. You cannot take off already. And so Tyler Perry would be like, okay, well, God, what am I supposed to do? And God would be like, quit, quit your job, not quit the play, quit your job. The only rational thing that made sense to keep, God said, quit, quit your job. That takes a lot of faith and a lot of courage to walk away and quit the only rational thing that's going on in your life. And that's where, you know, he really struggled with that because he would listen. He quit. He, you know, took a lot of crap from people around him who just thought he was absolutely insane. He would go on to the next town, go ahead and do the play, find a new job there, make just enough money to get to the next town because every job he went to, no one wanted to give him off so that he, you know, like to give him time off to go to the play and be able to actually come back. And so the point of the story is <laughs> finally there comes a point where he realizes that since he actually was a child who had been abused, which is what inspired him to write these plays. He had not actually ever truly forgiven his father for abusing him. The character in his place forgave his father for abusing him, but he had never actually forgiven his father. And he realized this one day. And out of nowhere, it's like he just, it was time. He just knew that it was really time for him to have this moment of forgiveness towards his father. And it was this act of forgiveness for his father that was like, the green light, the doors just busted open. The next play was a sold out show. The, every seat was packed. Every ticket was sold. People were lining up outside to get in and he could not believe it over a year or it might've been way longer than that of nobody showing up to his shows except for family and friends and the people that he met in whatever you know town he was living in at the time. He suddenly was booked out constantly, and that very, very quickly led him to Hollywood. And so the only thing that was in the way was him not having actually forgiven his own father, even though the whole play was actually written based off something in his life. So things that could also be in the way of your calling, you know, in the way of you actually seeing the true abundance of it the true momentum of it, the true <clears throat> evidence of the fruit is maybe there's something in your life that you still have not let go of. You have not forgiven this. You've not made peace with it. And maybe it's, it's waiting for you to come to some type of closure so that you actually can have that green light. And it's not like, it's not like, we just don't do anything until we're perfectly healed. No, our calling is meant to be shared every day just through us being here, showing up as we are being who we are. But it's through our healing journey that it keeps gaining more momentum and the impact it has keeps getting bigger and bigger. It's really relative to where we are at internally. 
you know, and, and one of the things that I've really discovered is like, you know, healing is not just an intellectual thing. It's not just a, an understanding or having an awareness of something. It's a true embodiment of something. You know, it's, it's a true emotional experience. And I can't tell you how many wounds I thought I had closed and healed just to find out like they were not done. So I encourage you to look in that area as well. One of the things that I want to also say, I'll hear my dog in the background. <laughs> uh, another thing, though, that I want to bring up is that sometimes a shout out around our calling can be because of something that was said to us once. Like maybe somebody said something hurtful once about you, about the things that were very special about you, the parts of you that are authentic. And it felt that you were being rejected and um, someone was criticizing you. And maybe that, you know, has caused a lot of pain. And I really encourage you to work with that with those memories, with those feelings of being rejected, of being criticized, because I know that those can be deep wounds and those can really be painful. And sometimes they really manifest into not only us rejecting who we truly are or really hiding that person or really arguing with why that side of us doesn't need to come back out or, you know, why we don't like that side. So we're just not going to even acknowledge that it exists. Or maybe we've convinced ourselves that it's not even there anymore because we've worked really hard to create an entire different life or a different persona of who we would rather be. Right. But also sometimes it can even be shadows because of someone convincing us of who we are. You know, if you were very impressionable, I remember, you know, when I was really new to learning about spiritual gifts from a spiritual perspective versus the religious perspective, it was foreign territory because I had grown up in the church and like the churches that I grew up in was like really strict Baptist churches, and you didn't talk about spiritual gifts, not the kind that I had. You didn't talk about seeing ghosts and spirits and um, talking to things of other realms. You didn't, that was like a no no, that was not okay. <laughs> you didn't talk about energy work. You did not talk about astral projection, lucid dreaming, like that. Those topics were not okay. Gifts of healing were not even uh, a gift that they they recognized it was something that supposedly died off, you know, when Jesus died. So when I first stepped into the spiritual community, because I got invited once to go to a spirit fair, I remember feeling very impressionable, very naive, very vulnerable. And it's like, I just believed everything that anybody said, you know, I've always been kind of naive. I am slowly really starting to learn discernment. I just naturally have so much faith in people and I just tend to believe people like what you say is true, you know, because 
I, I feel like it's, since I hold myself to a certain level of integrity, I want, I want to be believed, right? I don't want people to doubt me, so I automatically give that type of faith to other people. I assume that they are being honest and that they're being transparent and that they have good intentions. So when I went to the Spirit Fair and, and these people are telling me about who I am and what gifts I have, and they're like, oh, you know, you're a medium. You have, you know, mediumship qualities and um, all of this stuff. I remember believing that. Because just simply because they said it, you know, and then at the same time, they told me some scary things about me, some dark things about me. And I automatically believed that too. And I remember being terrified. And so then I became very scared of myself. It helped breed a sense of terror of myself when I already kind of had some fear around my gifts already. And this amplified it and they made it sound even worse. And so that created some, some wounds around my calling where I began to see my, my calling as some type of curse. I began to see my gifts as something bad that was out to hurt me or hurt other people. And so it kind of went dark for me for a while and I had to really work on healing that. And so that could be another uh, area of shadow work that maybe someone out here needs to also work on. And uh, I'll tell you how I gained my clarity with that. If someone out there is like, well, how did you work through that? One, I'm not completely done with that. I'm not, I'm going to be very honest about that. I'm not completely done. Uh, I'm going to work with a lady here soon on some energy work around it. But the one consistent thing that I've noticed is when I keep returning back to a place of love, a place of connection with creator, it is very important to me. Like this is just something that I just know a hundred percent that for who I am authentic, like authentically, I am somebody that believes in source and creator and spirit. And I have a lot of faith in spirit. And no matter how many avenues I go through, like go down, authentic Leslie believes that. Like I've tested this a thousand times to see if this was just still some type of conditioning and no. Authentic Leslie believes in spirit. She believes in creator and she believes that creator absolutely loves her. And that's just who I am in this lifetime. And it's what I need, uh, to navigate this world. And I don't know how else to explain it. I just know that that is what is right for me. And it's totally fine. It's not right for anybody else. So connecting back to my relationship with him, cause I call it a him. Some people call it a her, you know, some people call it, you know, just, you know, us, myself, you, all of us, but that's how I have to, that's how I have to psychologically put it for me to be able to to use it in a way that brings out the best of me. And that's something else is part of being authentic for me is not following like trends. I have to do things my way 
whatever way brings out the best me, that the healthiest version of me is what I have to go with because I've been through a lot of psychological trauma. And so I have to really take care of my psyche. Um, and I get frustrated because sometimes, (laughs) um, it's not that I want, it's not that I want a pity party because I I don't, but sometimes I've had people come down on me pretty hard about some things and they just, they know so little, they know so little about some of the battles that I faced. And so I get frustrated because sometimes the advice is so cliche. It's so not comforting at all because and until you've gone through some type of psychological situation like that, I, I guess it might, it might could be hard to understand. And so I know that people mean well, like they have good intentions. So I try to be really thoughtful with myself, how I approach people, because I don't want to do the same thing as someone else. So sometimes the things I say might sound cliche and I apologize. Um, and, uh, see everything I say, you know, it's, I try to be a bridge. I can go so much deeper with almost every conversation that I have with every podcast I have. I try to find some type of like middle ground here where almost anybody can listen and, and be able to understand and be a part of something here. Um, the last thing that I want to say today is that there is also, I know this is going to sound so paradoxical that like to everything I just said, it's contradicting. There you go. To everything I just said is, um, you know, I just make up words sometimes. Like I'll say words. I'm like, that's not even like how you say that's not even a word. (laughs) And, but anyways, is that, you know, sometimes there is power in not knowing specific details about your calling, like knowing who, who you are is really important. Like that's important. I feel like to me anyways, I feel like that's important. I encourage you to, to understand who you are authentic, authentically. But as far as like knowing the details about your, your gifts or your calling, I have found that sometimes not knowing is also just as powerful, if not more. And you might be like, that's confusing. What do you mean? Well, this is what I mean. Before I found out the details about my gifts, before I found out the names of my gifts, before I found out anything about them, they were way stronger. And I'll tell you why they were way stronger. Because I knew nothing about them, so I knew no limitations. I didn't know limitations. I did not have to battle pride because I didn't know there was something to be prideful about. Do you get what I'm saying? Like before I was told by somebody like, you've got healing property, like energy, you've got, you know, ability to do, you know, all these different things involving healing. Well, before I knew that there was no ego around it. (laughs) I was just, there was no pride around it. There was no limitation around it. There was no doubt, you know, like if I felt led to go place my hands to whoever I was being asked to place my hands on and do something, I didn't, other than feeling sometimes uncomfortable, like, why, why do you want me to do that? It's so weird. I did not know why I was doing it. It, You know, not once did creator tell me why. So there was no doubt. He didn't say, oh, you're doing it because it's going to help this person's, um, 
cancer or it's going to help this person's um, hernia or it's going to help this person's heart or it's going to help this person's depression. Like he didn't tell me those things. He would just say, hey, Leslie, I want you to go lay your palms on this person. Now, how I known the details of, oh, you're a healer. You can do these healing things. You have the gifts of laying palms, yada, yada. Then when I would have been told, go lay your palms, well, instantly ego, pride, my humanness is going to be like, ooh, because what? I'm going to help fix what? And then when it's like, oh, well, you're going to help with cancer. You're going to help with, you know, whatever. The low self-esteem side of Leslie's going to be like, I can't do that. That's crazy. There's no way that I can do that. I can't do that. <clears throat> I'm not strong like that. Like, I'm not... Mm -mm. Like a doctor can do that. Maybe a powerful healer can do that, but I can't do that. Or maybe it would flip to the other side of now I'm, you know, getting attached to my results. I'm feeling some type of pride of like, I'm going to help somebody. I'm going to help fix this. I'm going to help heal that. And like, that's that as soon as I go to a place like that, I'm already being dishonoring of the whole process. I'm already setting up some type of limitation. So if you are somebody who genuinely does know that there is something special about you. You do feel called to show up as yourself, but you don't know specific details about exactly what it is, like what a title or name for it would be. That might actually be the best thing. And it's absolutely, in my opinion, okay not to pursue finding out details. If I could go back and rewind time, I wish I could go back to not knowing the things that I know now about myself as, as far as that goes. Now being who I am authentically, yes, I want that part, but knowing the details of my gifts, I, I assume that because I, I believe that everything happens for a reason, um, or that at least God can use everything that has happened for a greater good. I just feel like I try to, cheat, like divine timing. I tried to cheat things because instead of waiting for him to naturally reveal things to me, I became very curious and impatient and went off on this long search to like figure stuff out on my own. And it didn't actually bring any type of peace or healing or joy for me at all. So just FYI, if that's also you, i encourage you to even just look at that and ask yourself, like, do, do you feel like that's the case that you are actually really happy with not knowing the details? And does that feel good to you? And if so, like, I really encourage you to protect and honor that. If that's what feels authentic to you. But anyways, um, I'm sure there's a lot of other shadows that can come up like resistance. Maybe you're dealing with resistance of some type, like, you know, a lot of things, about this topic, but you're just resisting for whatever reason. And maybe your spirit's kind of wanting to surrender or it's calling on you to surrender, but like you just aren't. That might be some type of area to look at shadow work. I would love to hear more about y'all's perspective on this. Um, considering that, like, like I said, I'm not done healing this one myself. 
So if you have insight that you would like to share on this topic, please email me at the shadow shaman pod at gmail.com. I will see you guys next week.